welcome to your Agendas of Medicine today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Professor Chris Dahl. Professor Dahl is at the Carnegie Mellon University and joins us today by telephone. Welcome, Professor Dahl. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I know that your interests are in, in cellular structure and some very detailed studies in terms of proteins, for example, and how that affects the cell behavior. Can you give us a little bit of insight into your program, please? Absolutely. I've had the pleasure over the past 13 years to be in the Pittsburgh area working with researchers at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh to provide the insight at the cellular level. I met a bunch of different studies in regenerative medicine and cancer and even aging to understand how the cellular structure changes as stem cells differentiate from undecided cells to decided cells or as cancer cells change in the opposite direction. So we study how genes are expressed, and as the genes are expressed, how the cells change their shape and how much they crawl and things like that. How does this affect the outcomes in terms of potential therapies? One of the things that we're doing in terms of therapies is trying to have better diagnostic tools. So we consider ourselves to be a tool developer in terms of better microscopy techniques, better diagnostics, and also better ways of culturing cells to maintain either their stem cells, maintain their stemness, or cancer cells maintaining their cancer's phenotypes so you can look at better cancer treatments on them. So if I were a physician and I was treating a patient, how would your diagnostic tools help me better prescribe a therapy for the particular patient? So one particular study we had with a clinician, that clinician was looking at taking stem cells out of a patient and growing them up in culture and reintroducing the cells to help with graft-versus-host disease. In culturing the cells outside the body, one of the things we were able to help with was show how the stem cells changed from one passage to the next passage to the next passage and help better understand the best way to culture them to reintroduce them later on to help the patient. So what types of diseases is this? technique applicable for? I seem to recall you had some interest in muscular dystrophy. Yes. I mean, that's one of the fun things about working in my research lab is every few years we change our focus. So we have worked on uh, muscular dystrophy. We studied and discovered a new protein that was in the nucleus. People had known about it within the rest of the cell, but by doing very high-resolution imaging within the nucleus of a cell, which is where all the DNA is kept, as we applied force and removed force, we found that this protein called alpha-2-spectrin was located in the nucleus of the cell, and this is related to different types of muscular dystrophies. And it explains why in most cells we're fine, but in muscles, which experience high levels of strain, so where you apply force and remove it, those cells were experiencing the nuclear rupture associated with the disease. Uh, does that lead to a potential therapy? We're hoping so. We're hoping that instead of having to reintroduce new muscle into these patients, all you would have to do is introduce some sort of gene therapy for these smaller genes. Speaking of gene therapy, there's been some successes, there's been some uh, adverse cases. What is the state of the art generally of gene therapy? It's been very exciting to watch changes in gene therapy that have occurred over the past two decades. It started off with 
the potential for reintroducing a gene into a few cells. But now there are commercial applications in the removal of stem cells or specific cells from the body, changes in the genes, and then reintroduction of those cells into the body. Uh, I think the most successful has been the CAR-T therapies, where T cells are removed, they are transfected in some way, and reintroduced for cancer therapies. Professor Dahl, what types of therapeutic procedures are you studying at this point? In addition to our interest in fundamental science of regenerative medicine by studying stem cell differentiation, we're also looking at potential cancer therapies. So we've been studying breast cancer treatments that are being used. It turns out that the cisplatin treatments that are used on these cells are often successful in damaging the DNA of cells, but very aggressive metastatic tumor cells are able to repair their DNA after the onslaught of the treatment. And we're trying to figure out what it is about those cells that makes them able to repair so that we can develop better breast cancer treatments. What's the status of this? Might be clinically available in the foreseeable future? We hope that at least the personalized medicine aspect will be available, wherein a tumor biopsy can be taken from a patient. It can be put into a microwell plate, and these cells can be treated and watched over time so that the best cocktail of drugs can be given to a patient, not just to kill the cells, but to make sure that they are not able to repair after the damage. Looking at your publications, I see you've done some work in terms of tracking of particles. This seems to be an important tool in terms of diagnostics. Is that, is that a correct assumption? Yes, we work with the particle trackings. Most of our early work, we've also developed a type of imaging called fluorescence lifetime imaging, which is a little more sophisticated than standard fluorescence microscopy that most researchers use. It requires a very sophisticated laser system with a femtosecond laser and a picosecond detector to look at changes in the chromatin state. And that's what allows us to determine if the cell is able to both be damaged by the drugs and repaired by the fact that the tumor has a better repair process than the surrounding tissue. Using this technology, we've been able to show it not just in cells and culture, but also in histological sections, which is very important if we ever want to move toward tumor biopsies and have it be available for clinical usage. And I think that a lot of researchers like me who do upstream research you know, need to be thinking about how to translate that into a patient. Professor Dahl. Tell us a little bit about your work on viral infections and its application. We're very excited about understanding viral infection. So we've been working with a few DNA viruses, particularly herpes simplex virus as a model system, and understanding how the virus is able to infect the DNA of the cell and change the DNA in the cell such that it's able to replicate within the cell center and also become latent within the cell. That's particularly important for viruses that are able to later cause cancers, such as HPV and HIV, which stays latent and then, as you know, later shows up to cause the disease AIDS. 
So even though we're just using a model system, we're able to study another nuclear disease that's caused by an exogenous pathogen, such as a virus. Professor Dahl, thank you for joining us today, and we congratulate you and your colleagues on the progress you've made in these important areas. We'll post on the podcast website a link to Professor Dahl's website so you can follow her work if you have more interest. Until we meet again, thank you for listening. We welcome suggestions. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you again.